Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, we look forward to coming out here and run with you again. Just pray. Father, we only want to hear what uh, you have to say to us regarding our days before us and the responsibilities that we have as men, the glory of God that you created, and uh, to do more than we are in the Lord today. So help us, Father, we praise and honor you only in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I didn't clock. Very specific amount of time. This is what I call my guardrail, particularly in this uh, this uh, topic in this time, because uh, I can go in many places. So I uh, utilize the time uh, wisely. I do a breakout session at uh, Stand Courageous, and uh, you see the flyer on the table. Make sure you walk away with that. Uh, maybe take two. We've got more over here. We've got to get the word out. Uh, Tony Perkins and General Boykin are kind of the bookends of this uh, conference. And if you haven't even heard General Boykin, well, good, I'll see all of you there on March 2030. You can't miss that talk. He's a modern day hero uh, walking among us. And what God has done in his life is, uh, is amazing. You need to hear uh, get his book, Never Surrender. And it's his autobiography, his power. Um, so, what else I want to say? The books on the table over there, uh, donation of five dollars a piece. Uh, this book here, Man to Man, is what we're going to walk through uh, over the course of, of that day. It'll start at seven forty-five and end by about four thirty, um, and then breakout sessions in the middle, uh, so you can get a picture of what we're doing there. So uh, yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, 42 years of, of marriage of seven children. This is all God. I didn't plan any of this. I was just having fun. Um, but now, uh, so this is what it looks like today. Uh, that was a year and a half ago at my daughter's, youngest daughter's wedding. The group didn't want to see uh, her before the ceremony, so we had two seconds to take that picture. We had got it done, and he wasn't there, so there it is. Um, but of the now 21 grandchildren, because our youngest daughter just gave birth to a son, a grandson, a week and a half ago, um, there's 18 grandsons uh, now. So we got two baseball teams, and we're beginning to uh, to work uh, training. So. Uh, you know, using uh, February 14th um, as an excuse, we, Lisa and I, last Saturday, uh, sat down and we wrote out, not Valentine's, we wrote out 21 blessings, uh, each of us, and uh, got those out of the mail uh, later that day. But the reason I say that is because as I sat down and began to write and thinking and seeing each one of those creatures, gifts from God, um, the weight of responsibility began to settle on my shoulders. And at times I would uh, I would weep because of the power that's represented in those 21 children. And the responsibility is if you have children and grandchildren, you know what I'm talking about. Because I look at the, the, the world around us and we're in trouble. God says in Exodus 15:3, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. We are warriors created in God's image, and God has expectations for each one of us. We got to know what those are. We got to know them according to our purpose that God created us for, and then we've got to we've got to get out there. Are we up there? You know what I'm saying? 
responsibility. So thinking about our children and um, grandchildren, Proverbs 13, 22 says, a wise man, a righteous man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But it took me to the prayer that Lisa and I prayed early on as God began to give us children. It was, God Almighty, you know these children. How do we tie our children's heartstrings to the truth? And we cried out to him for the days. <clears throat> he reminded me of Genesis uh, 1. It says, uh, in the beginning, God created the worlds by speaking them into existence. <laughs> so he showed me the importance of our words in the home, amongst each other. And the question I want to wrestle with today is, um, what worlds are you creating by the words you speak? Your home, your bride, your children, your grandchildren, family, friends, extended, your workplace. What worlds are you creating by the words that you speak? Well, I know that uh, you've probably read many stories of uh, incidences where our self-talk uh, directs the course of our lives. It's our, the unspoken, unspoken word. And uh, I usually tell a story, well, I'll tell a bit of it really quick, of a rail yard worker who was known as a very pessimistic man. He was always looking around the corner because he knew something bad was going to happen. And uh, one day it did. He found himself locked in a refrigerated boxcar. It was in the yard for repairs and realizing there's no way out, he, he panicked. I'm going to freeze to death in this boxcar. And he began to work that through his mind over the course of the nights. And the next morning when the guys came to the yard, they found him in the boxcar and he was dead in the corner. True to what he believed, what he succumbed to, he had frozen to death according to the coroner's report of hyperthermia. He lost the battle of life in his own mind. In the boxcar that was uh, 61 degrees as they did the investigation to the event. Less room temperature, how do you freeze to death? That's the battle and power uh, of the mind. The neurologist was working on a patient and couldn't get his heart going again and uh, did all the tools that he had. And he finally leaned over the patient <clears throat> and said, um, Tell your heart to beat again. He began to beat. That patient was saved. That's the power of the, the spun, unspoken word in our minds. And, Philippians 4 8 says, Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, think on these things. That's where your mind needs to stay because the enemy will cover you up in death to take you out of the game. So, what is your self talk like? So, our words create worlds for others and for ourselves. The spoken word is absolutely important, as you know, the word of God that we have and what the treasure that is for us and the blessing and the gift. And James 3, 5 says, out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Psychologists have determined that uh, for every one negative word, 
you need to have 20 positive words to replace the impact of that negative word. Not just on you, but on others that it's been spoken to. So we've got to guard our words uh, that we choose to speak. I read a uh, one of Chuck Swindoll's books, uh, I think it was Hand Me Another Brick. It tells a story of a 38-year-old woman who came for counseling. And she says that 30 years ago on the playground, a classmate came up to me and said, You're stupid. Turned and skipped away. She had no place to put them. So she just held on to me. And for 30 years, she she pushed every decision, every relationship through that filter of I am stupid. And it devastated her life. You can imagine. <clears throat> So in 1990 or so, um, I, I heard a Neil Anderson, spiritual warfare, and he showed and um, put up, by the way, this is about proclaiming, but yeah, proclaiming to get it off the pages and having things work around you. But he put up the words, uh, I am accepted, the I am statements that I call them. <clears throat> Full of truth, everything that you are, everything God made you to be. And man, I, I wanted, I saw that in my children were four and under at the time, and I, I want to put that uh, in their hearts and minds. So I got a big piece of butcher paper with a marker, and I wrote every one of these lines out on that butcher paper. And then I went into their rooms and I, I pinned it to the ceiling over the beds. So they would go to bed, still light outside, they would be reading these I am statements, and they did. I walked down the hallway one evening before they had fallen asleep, and it was still white uh, light. And I heard my son reading through this, and he came to the one I am a co worker, I'm a cow worker, he pronounced it. I'm a cow worker for Jesus. His sister had gotten up in the bed, and every line that uh, he would read, he, she would repeat it. She pulled her thumb out of her mouth I am a cow worker for Jesus. So I stuck my head in the door, I said, Fulton. Uh, that line separates the word that means co-worker. You work alongside of Jesus. Oh, I'm a co-worker for Jesus. And, and he went on. Now, a few years later, uh, Christian, a little girl, got up on the bed and uh, repeated after Colton. Come storming in the house one morning. She was playing with the neighborhood kids up in the cul-de-sac, and she found Lisa in the other room with her hands on her hip and her ponytail tail still bouncing. She said, Mom, this kid came up to me in the cul-de-sac and said I was stupid. Lisa shocked said, what did you do? She said, I put my hands on my hip. I looked him right in the eye. I said, I'm stupid. I'm significant. I'm accepted. You may not talk to me that way. What did he do? Lisa asked. She said, he just said, oh, turn and walk away. But you see, the enemy's not very uh, creative. Maybe many of you have uh, heard those same words over the course of your time in childhood. Maybe, you know, what are you doing with the, the, the lie that the enemy wants to put on you? Well, Christian proclaimed the truth of who she was and blocked the enemy's attempt to chain her heart and mind up. Yeah, those chains fell to the floor. We've got to know the truth. We've got to proclaim the truth. We've got to practice uh, speaking that truth and putting words of life around us. Um, as our children then begin to uh, grow older, we can leave for an hour at a time and go get a coffee and have a bit of time to catch up. 
We come back to the home sometimes and you could feel the air was thick with tension. We knew some things got out of hand there. So we called the children together and we asked them the question, what words uh, do you need to hear to feel loved and accepted? So we wrote them all down. Um, and then we put them, but you need that for a moment. What's the atmosphere of your home uh, like now based on the words you speak? We wrote all those down. We told the Wilson family the words of life and we put them on the wall so that when mom and dad were gone and things get out of hand and they get bombarded with the lies, we go back and read that and it brings things back into order because these are words of truth right out of the word of God. And so you can read that and reorder your hearts and your uh, your, your mind and your attitude. I'm, I will always love you. God loves you. You're fully accepted. And it made a difference. What words are being spoken in your heart, in your house, that are, that are stealing life away from you and your family? So we got to practice uh, these things. We got to know where we are at in our relationships. Um, and so you've also got to pursue, pursue the truth. You know, in asking God, what do you need? And how do we tie our children's hearts turn to the truth? And he brought us the, the idea, the concept we saw in the Bible, the blessing. There's the Bible opens with the blessing and ends with the blessing of revelation. There's, in the Gospels, it talks about God Almighty, God the Father. When Jesus was baptized and coming out of the water, what does it say? God opened up the heavens, spoke for all to hear and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So I see the blessing in three ways. It's, a, it's about identity. It's about affirmation. It's about direction. So God was saying, okay, the children are four and under. You need to start the blessing here. We didn't know what to do. So Lisa lit a candle to the, uh, signify the beginning of the ceremony and to represent the Holy Spirit amongst us. I sat in my grandfather's rocker and the children lined up in front of me um, and I prayed to God that he would give me understanding as to who these children were and um, I began to bless them. Identity, who is this before you? A girl, she's beautiful, created. And I went on and talked about identity. And I affirmed her and I thanked her for being a great help taking care of her siblings. Um, and then I gave her identity. She's just come to Christ. So I said, God's going to use you in a powerful way to bring others to Christ as well. And then I went on down to uh, the other three. Now the four hundred, okay, four and a half. And what do they know? What do they really realize and understand about this blessing? Well, I would finish with putting my hand on your head and say, the Lord bless you and keep you, Lord, make his face shine upon you, gracious to you, turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when I first time when I lifted my hand off their head, they seemed to fall off like healing balloons. They were so full of, of life with the words you spoke over them. It was amazing to behold. I would turn and uh, go to my wife, and I would bless her the same way. Identity, affirmation, direction. And I would speak over her that patriarchal blessing as well. So I wanted my children to see the importance that she was to me and to them as well, and I honored her. Um, so that was a that was a very, very 
powerful times such that every week, every Sunday, we get home from church, have our meal, we go to the living room, we do the blessing. We did that for many, many years, as you can see. Um, so then it hit me, wait a minute. Um, what about my blessing? What about my father's blessing? I never got a blessing like that from dad. Well, not long after that, I got a call from mom getting diagnosed with cancer. Didn't have long to live, so the siblings were six of us in the household. Um, and with their children, they had about, we all had about 27 grandchildren. But with us, we showed up at the farm and uh, we told testimony. We had our uh, memory at the time of dad and mom. Mom asked me to show the siblings uh, what this blessing is all about. I did. And then we all, that was over. We moved on. Uh, God said, now go get your blessing. So, right. Went back into the house. Dad was already in the living room, sitting in his chair, just seeing the example of the blessing. So I went in, knelt in front of him, not, not waiting. Finally, he said, God bless you. And see if he was done. Grabbed his hand and put it on my head, and I waited again. Finally, he said, God bless you and keep you. And then he said, I don't know what this is about. I don't know what to say. And I, I stood, we had a conversation uh, together. I said, Dad, I think it's that simple. Six words that are life for you to speak over me. And then we all went back to our homes and life continued. And uh, a few weeks later on the road, I think it was in, I was in Nebraska, but um, Dad called and gave me an update. He was in the hospital at the time, told me how he was doing. Um, we finished the conversation. And like I was talking to my wife and my children, I said, I love you, Dad. Uh, thanks for the update, praying for you. Uh, we'll talk again. I hung up. And then like a brick in my head, I said, Lord, what was that about? Because up until that point, I had never, we never finished a conversation phone uh, or otherwise with I love you. It didn't happen. God said, I'm beginning to break through the hardness of your heart towards your father off. But months later, I was able to make it back to the farm and uh, he was home. We had coffee together, had a conversation together, and um, I began to tell him what God was doing in my life, the ministry that God gave us, and um, the work at Focus and such. And so uh, I had to get back to work and finish that. And that night, Dad called me and said, You know, I uh, was listening to this guy on the radio, and uh, he was saying everything. You were saying earlier today, you're right on. Well, suddenly he's limited there. If you understand. But what was that? But it was the first words of an affirmation that I had ever heard growing up. All my sporting events, never in the stands. I didn't know who I was, what I could do. This is the life that we had, the schedule we had, it just didn't happen. Um, I, I, Literally crumbled the floor and I wept like a child. Um, so, anyway, now at the end of the year, two months later, he's, uh, I get a phone call from mom this time, and they're in the hospital, and he's at that point in life where he can't talk, right? So, mom put the phone to his ear, and I began to bless my dad. Hey, thank you for giving me, introducing me to Jesus, taking me to church, pouring into me. Thank you for your work, caring for us. 
giving us a place to grow up. And I said, Dad, um, be strong. Don't fear it. And I'll see you on the other side. I said goodbye. Well, the word came back to me from a nurse that asked the question, what was that last phone call about? Because when it ended, all those vital signs uh, calmed down and he slipped off. So talking to attorney, so kept the voice in until we turned it. All because of six words. It broke my anger, my resentment, and all that I had toward my father in law. And uh, that was a blessing uh, to me. You guys, this is how we end uh, the Stand Courageous Conference with the Father's Blessing. General Boykin will tell his story a bit about getting a blessing. And um, then we invite the men and our sons to um, come down front and then speak a blessing over them. Then the, the men whose fathers weren't there, not around anymore, um, we'd ask them to come forward as well. Now, a couple things uh, with that. If you're a pastor here, a ministry leader, we need you on a Friday night to gather for a dinner so we can talk about the ministry time at the Stanford's conference. Because at the end of General's uh, testimony, he gives an altar call. We've had hundreds of men come to Christ. So we need ministers, pastors, uh, leaders to receive them, pray with them, introduce them to Christ, help them in that prayer. So um, we need you there. We'll talk about that on Friday night. We have a dinner, a time of prayer for the event and all. Um, we need to call the uh, 800 number. Let us know in the comments so we can add you to that list and welcome you Friday night. Tony and General will talk about that ministry time. So we need you there. Other pastors that you know, um, let them know about that time. There's going to be a lot of men there. And uh, we need many guys to do ministry there. Um, so so we finished the conference uh, uh, with the Father's blessing, and uh, the rest of the room unloads and they come forward. It's, a, it's a really an amazing time. So, as I said, we work through this book. You see the speakers that are on the flyer, and each one of them takes a chapter of this book. We start the Saturday about seven forty-five. We have a time of worship, and then we go right into man as a protector. Now, these five principles of biblical masculinity, they, they kind of overlap each other. But each one of the presenters and speakers kind of uh, unwrap that principle like the, an onion because there's several layers. You know, I say a man is a provider. What do we first go to? Money. We have to provide for our family, we have to provide a house, all those things. But think about this it's critically important, men. To provide your presence in the home. We live in a culture where there's 50% of the men are not home. Most of them are not there physically, but the rest of them are not there emotionally. You can live in a home physically, but not be present. We gotta be there for our bride first, but for our children. 
And you don't have to do much talking there. And in fact, these days, our, our, our wives need to unload their hearts. And they need us to listen, not correct them. It's the first thing I want to do. This is easy. It's like that picture, that video of the woman with the nail in the head. You've seen that. <laughs> Guys, this is critical. We're seeing men, families, marriages break apart in an increasing way. In our children, they desperately want to talk and unload their heart about how, what they see and what they feel and, they, and, and the confusion. What do I do? It's going to take time. You've got to be quiet. Shut up for a time. And let the silence be there. Because they're on the verge of pouring out their heart. But you've got to provide your presence there. And you've got to relax. If they see that you're ready to go off and tired and done and whatever, they're not going to unload. But this is how we help our children grow up. It's like us sitting in the presence of God. Yes, reading the Word of God is critically important, but to sit there and be quiet so that you can hear the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you and direct you and point you to things and teach you about the Word that you've been written. You've got to be quiet in order for that to happen. So that's man as a provider. We go off to uh, Stu Weber. He talks about the battle concept, which you know very well. And you see the importance of having a battle. But many of these guys don't. They're running alone, and that's what the enemy does. Is he, he, he works on us, and he, he moves us into isolation, and there he takes us out. We've got to be running with the battle. We hear it from Stu Weber. It's a, it's a powerful time as well. General comes up and does his testimony. Um, he was the general in Black Hawk Down. Know that movie? That's what General Woodley is. He was one of the original Delta members back in the late 70s when that happened. It's a, you gotta hear a story. After that, we went to lunch and then breakouts, and I'll do a, maybe a, a full rendition of this talk. Um, and there's five other breakouts that are gonna happen as well. So we come back from that, we go right into man as an instructor. And guys, um, our young people, I hear stories of this, these, these young people don't know how to change a tire and shoot them specifically because they come in the garage and they have no idea what those metaphors are of the pegboard or in the toolbox. No idea. So as an instructor, you're instructing them in common sense and in life and what to expect. You open their eyes to a whole new world. But if we're not there, that doesn't happen. The wives can be changing the tire. Then we go from there to a defender, man's defender. Um, and again, it's not just physical, though, good mistakes. These days, we got to be ready to move physically, strategically, in situations that are coming around the corner, like we saw on the streets of New York. We got to be ready for those things and aware of it. It's not just physical, but it's, it's um, uh, technological. We got to put the, the safeguards on the internet coming into the house because of what can come up on the screen in an instant and then steal the heart away from your son. One, 
we've got to warn them for the first look of pornography and what that's going to do, what it is, the strategy of the enemy, and what it will do with you if it captures you. It ruins your life. So defender, man is a defender. Who, who are we, guys? God has created us as warriors that are aware, they're trained, they're understanding, and they step in and they fight in these arenas. We've got to have the strength. We have to have the relationship with God Almighty because we need him to fight the battles, but we've got to show up and be in that battle. We've got to use the strength that God has put in us as men to step into courageously against all the fear and succeed. Man, if you don't sit, if you don't show up, How's that get done? Tony comes up and finishes with the chat. And uh, that's our responsibility to disciple our children uh, growing up. And, uh, and all of that entails. Guys, we can't miss this gathering. This gathering every Friday morning is absolutely critical. But who are the ones that are not here? We need to be here because their marriages are just almost gone. Their children are going off this way and that way, sucked in by the world and the shininess that that is. Um, this is what we're calling them to. General stands before you and he says, Move. You gotta move. But that's us too. That's why God put us here on earth. And by the way, you look at history, you look at all the all the things that happened throughout the course of history, just look at the time of Christ to today. <clears throat> the major voices. Um, but he looked down through history and he saw me. And he put you here today at this time with all that's going on around us in this country, fighting to save this incredible country that got founded almost 250 years ago. So that means you're important. We need you on the battlefield, not covered up with entertainment. We need you on the battlefield. We need so I love these gatherings. We need to multiply this. In the back of each one of these chapters are 10 questions. Make sure you get one of these books, get three of them, and invite another friend that God is tapping on the shoulder to give them. And then dialogue through these questions after you read that chapter. And ask God to show you and watch it show up. Father, take the words, ideas, soul in our hearts and minds, Lord, and use us, Father. We are desperate for you, God Almighty. Come in Jesus' name. Amen.